that we've been in a series on the book of Acts entitled Fired Up. And if you haven't been here, don't worry. The theme is uh, spirit-filled living. We're looking at the early church. If you're not of the Christian faith, you're of a different faith, you're still welcome here. I think there's lots of lessons to be learned. But uh, we're looking at this early church and how they were spirit-filled and how they sort of opened the windows of their life and were empowered to an adventure of faith-filled living. And we've been looking at three questions as we go along the way. And those three questions are, what is your level of passion in faith and in life? What are the gifts that you have to share? And what is your level of resilience as you face challenge and obstacles in life? And I think those questions touch all of our lives. And so we continued our series, Fired Up. We are in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. Now, this is an interesting story because it is a tragedy turn comedy. So it's okay if you find a little humor in the story. We will later on in the message as well. But uh, Paul is in the city of Troas. He's on his second missionary journey. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive, greatly comforted. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, as I said, we're looking at Fired Up in our series, and this morning we're looking at falling out or jumping in. Well, I heard a story of uh, this pastor in a snowstorm. Now, it's beautiful out now, but we didn't have our first snow just last week, and I was thinking about this. And uh, this pastor was a pastor of a country church out in the middle of nowhere, and it was a huge snowstorm. And so he still decided he's going he's gonna to go to church. And so he did the best he could. He got to church. It was a little bit late and waited and waited. And only one person showed up, which was this old cowboy. And so the pastor went to this cowboy and said, well, I don't really know. Should we have church or, or not? And the old cowboy said, well, I'll tell you what, pastor. If I went out to the pasture in the snowstorm and only one cow showed up, I'd still feed that cow. Well, the minister was, was challenged about that, and so he preached his best. He preached two and a half hours, went on and on, and at the end of the sermon, went up to the cowboy and said, well, what do you think? And the cowboy said, well, I'll tell you, it's like this, Pastor. If I went out to the pasture and there was only one cow there, I wouldn't dump the whole load on him. <laughs> well, Paul dumped the whole load on him, and don't worry, you'll be out before midnight and before noon, all right? So you won't be late for brunch. But this is a, it's an interesting story, and I, and I do think there's some lessons here and a bit of a challenge as well. And to just recap where we have been in this series, and we're looking at the book of Acts, and it's the life of the early church, and it's also a challenge. Uh, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts, and it was a challenge for the church to get fired up again. And so the, the theme is, uh, is the spirit and the prayer and how we are all charged to continue doing good things in faith and life as we love and serve God and love and serve our neighbor. And we've been on this second missionary journey doing all kinds of exciting things, and we looked at Paul as we kind of jumped in here. And Paul is uh, traveling, and he was in Thessalonica. And there it's interesting that Paul and the whole people, all the people that were with him were accused of turning the world upside down. 
And I reflected on, don't you wish that all of us were accused of turning the world upside down? Doesn't matter whether you're young or old or whoever in between, turn the world upside down in terms sometimes of the values of the culture around us, turning the world upside down with the faith and enthusiasm we have for life, and turning the world upside down in, in loving and caring about our, our neighbor. And so Paul then goes on to Athens. And in Athens, Paul steps aside from his normal dialogue with uh, his friends in the, in the Hebrew faith, and he talks in the marketplace of ideas in the Areopagus, in the marketplace in Athens, still there to this day. And there he's dialoguing with all the philosophies of the day, the Essenes, the Socratic people, all the different philosophies. And he steps aside from his church speak, if you will, and the, many of us are dependent on, and starts to talk about the culture in a, in a way that they could relate to. And I challenge how all of us need to be able to do that, to not get in a rut on terms of church speak or whatever your speak is, and to relate our life of faith to the eternal lives of faith that all of us around are struggling with. And from there, we went on to, to Corinth. And in Corinth, Paul talks about the true wisdom of God. And he challenges people with the essentials of faith, talks about uh, the resurrection, the hope we have of eternal life. And then Paul also goes to Ephesus, where we were last week, and he talks about empowered living and how the Holy Spirit is there uh, as God comes to us and with us to enlighten us, to encourage us, and to empower us. And so this morning we're in Troas, as Paul has gone around Greece, is sailing, loves to sail. I admire that. It was good for Jesus, good for Paul. I hope I have a sailboat someday. But anyway, uh, Paul is here in Troas, and we're told that Paul is going to leave the next day. And so they started an evening service, and we're told unequivocally by Luke that Paul goes on and on. Man, don't you hate it when the pastor does that? <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. You know, I read this, so I'm not going to do that. But Paul goes on and on. Luke even says that. And this young man is in, we're told, in an upper story, third story room, and that it was full of lots of people, and there were lamps. So this is, you know, if you heard the term gaslighting, we've heard that a lot over the years here. Gaslighting is literally is a sort of a gaslighting incident, many people think, not only the teenager, teenagers, not you, of course, uh, are sometimes hard to captivate interest. And so this young man is dozing off. Maybe it was the people with all the uh, carbon dioxide in the room or these lamps, but he falls asleep and he falls out the window. Man. And wow. <laughs> And so it's a tragedy, but Paul runs down, and he prays for this young man, and uh, maybe does some CPR too, whatever it needed to do, and the man is, is raised to life, and they celebrate, come upstairs, and Paul wasn't daunted. He went on until daylight to speak, so <laughs> don't worry, but I think in this story, there's some interesting things, and the first is, you know, for all of us, uh, to not fall out, right? To not fall out. For this young man, Eutychus, he fell out the window. But I think for all of us, sometimes we're on, we're on sort of the, the rail of life. You know what I'm saying? The fence, the windowsill of life. And we have a choice to either fall out or to jump in. And to fall out, what does that mean? I think it's sometimes that we, we just get bored. We're not, we're not engaged, right? And, and, you know, that's a challenge to me as a pastor. I think for parents, too. But also for all of us, you know, as, as peers, you're sharing your faith. You know, faith isn't, isn't boring. Faith isn't boring at all. And we've seen over and over in the book of Acts how we're challenged to this authentic life. And sometimes we make faith boring by just falling out of things, falling out of the things that we know that keep faith good and vibrant in our life. Like maybe it's studying a Bible study or fellowship group or just worship and not putting our best into it. And we, we just sort of fall out. But the truth is faith isn't boring. Church shouldn't be boring, right? 
we should be able to, to jump in. And when you look at faith and some things, I just was privileged to be able to travel overseas and go to Israel and to Egypt. And it's been, it's like a bucket list uh, trip. And, but it was so exciting to see people from all over the world, different faiths, coming to these different pilgrimage spots. And it was amazing because we went to, to Mount Sinai, which is at the base is 5,000 feet, and it goes up another 3,200 feet. And St. Uh, Catherine's Monastery is there. These places revered to be the well where Moses went and saw Zephora, uh, who came his wife. And then this burning bush, they believe it's this incredible bush. But people pilgrimage from all over the world. And the most amazing thing was I saw people that were, were going to summit, were actually coming back down from the summit of Mount Sinai. And young people, old people, people, it doesn't matter whether they're Muslim, Christian, Jewish, different faiths, had got up and started a climb at 3 o'clock in the morning so they could summit Mount Sinai and see the sunrise. Hundreds of people, different ages, different faiths, because there was something there that was pulling them up. And sometimes if faith gets boring, maybe we just aren't plugged in. Maybe we need to, to jump in in our life. And the, the world is incredible. I love what Einstein says. There's only two ways to look at the universe. Either none of it is a miracle or everything is a miracle. And I choose the latter. You know, miracles are all around us. I remarked the other week, and I remarked again, but I, I, we have young people, uh, maybe some physics major here, but the Nobel Prize in physics was granted just a couple weeks ago. You know, who, I see some heads nodding. Good for you. And it was on what? The entanglement theory. You knew that. All of you knew that. These young physicists. On the entanglement theory, which is a strange and bizarre thing, if you're not aware of the universe, part of Bell's theorem. And uh, these physicists are investigating it. And the entanglement theory is that there's two twin particles in, in the world everywhere, right? Different, all kinds of them. And uh, they're matched up so that if one goes light, the other one goes dark. Okay? That's just part of Bell's theorem. But... And um, it only happens when it's noticed, whatever that means, on the other side of the universe, whatever. And so the argument is, and this, you know, we're talking about infinite distance away, light years, is that, well, maybe there's a predisposition in those two matched particles that make them do that. When one goes light, one goes dark. And the entanglement theory, the Nobel Prize award just a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, was that no, this is research and said no. There is no predisposition. Now, I don't know about you. If that isn't pretty mystical, what is? If you think everything is explained and you haven't hung out with your quantum physics friends lately, or certainly your professor, Bell's theorem has all kinds of amazing things. But our world is so amazing, and God created all that. And God created each and every one of you with gifts and talents, and we've been blessed by musical talents this morning, but all of us have gifts and talents, and are we using that with everything that we have? I love the dedication. always uh, speaks to me. So thank you, Jeff, and all of the folks who support the Pruduettes and all PMO is to have these young ladies that aren't here just to sing and bless us, but I know that there's hours and hours of practice that goes into that. And so you got to jump in with everything that you have. And I, I look at Paul's life, and Paul goes on in this after he stays up all night with these guys, and these people from Ephesus come to visit, and Paul, in the other part of this chapter, uh, 17 and on, it says that Paul had these elders from the church, and Paul says this to them as they come, and Paul is uh, looking towards Jerusalem where he's going to give his testimony to Caesar. 
and he thinks that he will indeed give his life, which he did for his testimony, willing to stand firm in the faith. And he says this, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the providence of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what is to happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Wow, what passion. That's after he preached all night <laughs> and into the daylight and uh, prayed for a young man who fell from the window. How's your, how's your passion for faith this morning? And I know this time of year, uh, both professors and students, doesn't matter whether you're in college or high school, wherever, is, you know, the enthusiasm starts to wane a lot of things because you get midterms looking towards the end. But you know, for all of us in all of life, sometimes we start to give up the things that matter most and sustain us the most. And the truth is that faith is something that sustains us in life and gives us energy and verve and vitality. And it's about our attitude. Do you fall out or do you jump in? Jump in with everything you have. As I was listening to the football game in pain the other day, but you know, Wisconsin is a good team. <laughs> I got my colors on, don't worry. So uh, I was reflecting on Drew Brees and uh, it, what a great uh, young man he was and grew up to be such a, a stellar, not just athlete, but person. But he was sharing in his faith one time that he was in high school, 17 years old, and um, he was in church. He used to just kind of go to church and go through the motions, and he was pretty bored. He said, but something happened when he was 17 that all of a sudden that his life changed. And he began to really take it seriously, his faith seriously. Always attended chapel, by the way, at Purdue. But he went on to tear his MCL and ACL, two injuries in high school, which prevented him from getting some of the, the top notches, walked on at Purdue. Of course, you know, the rest is amazing. And, uh, but his faith guided him because he went from just sort of sitting in the pew to being turned on by his faith. He, he jumped in, not just to sports, but with his faith. It took a lot of, of resilience to overcome that challenge in life. He went on, of course, at Purdue, did amazing things, but then he went to San Diego, and the end of one season, you probably remember they had a shoulder injury, and people weren't sure, is this guy going to make it? Ended up going to New Orleans and went there, and of course, Hurricane Katrina came. Uh, I went down with a number of Purdue students, and uh, we did a mission project there uh, to help rebuild that. He wrote us a really nice letter, but he went on to lead New Orleans, the Saints, who were nobodies at the time, to in the whole city in some ways to, to face the challenge and verse they did. And part of it was through faith, and of course went on to, to win the Super Bowl. But part of it was the faith that has always been part of his life. You know, for all of us, you might not be a football player, you might not be a, a singer, but all of us have some things that we can jump in on or we can fall out. So what do you need to jump in on? You can't jump in on everything, but what are your passions and gifts aligned where you need to jump in on? You know, maybe it's jump in on a fellowship group or some, you know, weekly Bible study. Just jump back in and worship and worship with all of your heart and mind. So great to see the, hear the singing this morning and see the enthusiasm on people's faces. But what do you need to jump in on? 
Where have you fallen out that you need to go, all right, now, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I'm going to make my faith and life count. And Paul shows us how to do that. Paul's up in years. He's facing challenges as he goes. He's going to go, and he's going to give his testimony. He's going to go on this adventure. We're going to finish this down the road. But he is going to share his testimony before Caesar and be willing to give his life for his testimony. Are you willing to stake everything you have on your faith, on your life? What are the things that are most important to you? We've been saying, what is your level of passion in faith and in life? What are the gifts that you have to share? All of us have gifts and talents, and, uh, and we have to appreciate our own gifts, right? And, and not envy the gifts of others. I've always said I, I really would like to be able to sing like Elvis and play the guitar like Santana, but I can't do either one, right? I can do them, but I can't do them like Elvis or Santana. And, uh, but we have gifts and talents, and we have to stay in our lane and develop that. When we work together, we're like a, a team of people, like a football team working well, right? The quarterback can't be the wide receiver. The wide receiver can't be the quarterback. The lineman, offense, defense, whatever it is, you know, they're not receivers. And when they try to confuse it, it messes up. But when everybody does what they're gifted with, with passion, then amazing things happen. And then all of us face challenge and adversity. What is your level of resilience? The truth is, when we meet our greatest challenge and willing to endure it and to overcome it, that becomes a ministry for us down the road. We're able to speak some truth and encouragement into someone else's life that is going through challenge and adversity too, because all of us, all of us face challenge and adversity in life. So where are you this morning? If you're on the windowsill somewhere, kind of drifting off, ready to fall out, maybe you need to, to jump in. And it's up, it's up to you. I'm going to close with um, a thought of one of, my, one of my favorite athletes, which is Sarah McLaughlin. I don't know. Uh, do you know what the world record is in the 400-meter hurdle? Any track stars here this morning, by the way? 400-meter hurdle. She was in the Olympics, and uh, Sarah McLaughlin, and she set the world record there. And great young person, and she's 22 years old, and she's got a great faith. She's just dynamic. That's her picture right up there. And she just broke her own record and made it 50.68. Now, if there's anything harder than running 400 meters, it's running 400 meters and jumping over hurdles. I mean, seriously, seriously, without breaking stride. And she's amazing. And one of the things that she shares is she said that in high school, she wasn't really the most talented athlete. She had to work and she was disappointed. And she found that her self-esteem got tied to whether she won or lost or how well she did. And she was kind of going through the motions in faith. And then one moment she realized that she was a child of God, regardless if she won or lost. And her faith became important to her, fired her up. And now she says, you know, the first thing is I always say is I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. And if I win or lose, I'm still a child of God. And she says that sets her free to do her best. Well, not only was a star for the Olympics, but a star this summer at the, at the games where she broke the 400-meter record, her own record, made it 50.68. She's striving to get under 50 seconds. I think that she'll do it. But more than anything else, she's a, a young woman who's not just a stellar athlete using her gifts and talents, but she's a young person that is on fire with her faith. Today... I challenge all of us, whether young or old, to look at our lives and to ask ourselves, what's our level of passion? What are the gifts that we have to share with friend and neighbor that we can love and serve God and love and serve our neighbor? And what is our level of resilience as we do all face challenge and adversity in life? We all have the choice. 
Are you going to fall out or are you going to jump in? I challenge all of us to jump in. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word, which is a light for our path and a lamp for our feet. Thank you that you guide us along the way of life, that we are, are never alone. Lord, this morning as we celebrate our faith with these young voices and such great talent, and all of us joined together as one in voice, Lord, help us to be challenged to not fall out, but to jump in. We pray this in your name, and all God's people said, amen.